Our scripture reading today is Exodus 17, 1 through 7. Water from the rock. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rebahim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Maza and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Our second reading is John 4, 5 through 52. So Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Syrah, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. 
Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I The one speaking to you, I am he. The disciples rejoined Jesus. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jug, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? The people came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do with the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. After the two days, Jesus left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet had no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Canaan in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to Jesus and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Well, it's good to be back again. Uh, I think we got a little longer scripture reading than I was expecting, but we'll 
We won't cover the part about the uh, healing of the child. The focus is going to be on the uh, woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. So when we hear the story of the woman at the well of Jacob near Sychar, that's probably one that we've heard regularly on, in church and in Sunday school. Many have focused on who the woman is and how notorious her life in her town and how she comes at midday to avoid others from her town. The dialogue is read as telling us of what is going really going on. So we've removed, we've kind of moved to what would be a naturalistic understanding of what is going on as if all that is known immediately available is what we have in front of us. Now there's another tradition that was widely used uh, and in some ways gives a different perspective on what is happening in the story. That tradition presumed that there was an allegorical meaning to what is in the text we read, that there is something beneath that we need to get a better understanding of. So when this is read in that way, the places and descriptions point to something else, something that fills in the gaps of why this is happening in this way. The interpretation, this interpretation presupposes that this event occurred in time and at a particular place, but there are layers of information that are not self-evident to the casual reader. The allegorical point begins with the opening, that Jesus is traveling and comes to the Samaritan city of Sychar, near Jacob's well. The problem is, there is no mention of this town anywhere else and it is unknown in other writings. So is there some meaning to the name of the town? Some have found this to be derived from a word which could mean lie or falsehood. See, this would be parallel to the opinion of the Jewish people who saw the claims of worship by the Samaritans at Mount Gerizim as equal to worship of the Jews in Jerusalem and as brought up by the women at the woman at the well. That dialogue is presupposed in the name of the place where this is said to have happened. The next point having an allegorical implication is the discussion of the woman's husbands. Her stating that she has had five husbands and is living with the sixth was seen as a description of who the Samaritans were. That since the conquest of Israel, the northern kingdom, came with forced intermarriage of their ancestors, having made those original Israelites intermingled with captor and other captives, to have only one-sixth of the original bloodline of the northern tribes. So when the Israelites made their return to their homeland, they were already intermarried with those whom they lived, and those left behind were intermarried with those brought in from other lands to keep the people there disoriented and subjugated to the captors. Upon their return, there was a desire to recover their worship practices, some of which which were already divergent from those in Jerusalem before the capturing and exile. So those were seen as not only improper worship, but illegitimate because of the lack of purity of the people from being true Israelites. So by taking the allegorical meaning this becomes a different story in ways that point us to the drama of the encounter, that there is a sense of confrontation that moves beyond just 
Jesus asking for a drink of water. If we pick up the story as it goes in the gospel, Jesus is on the move. Having made his journey from Galilee to this place in the middle of Samaria, a direct route on the way to Jerusalem, only now he takes a break from his walking to get food and refreshment. This is why the Jews did not travel through Samaria. They would have had to bring enough food for the journey or stop and risk contact with a group of people they were related to, but now seen as foreigners as a or aliens and could be deemed as unclean. Jesus asked the solitary woman for a drink. A drink from an, the ancestral found by Jacob, the one who would become Israel. Because of the way the situation was between the Jews and the Samaritans, she is surprised because of her, that he would ask her of this. But beyond that, there is cultural, culture and attitude about women then, some of which is still with us in the Middle East. That women should not be out on their own alone and should travel with a male relative as a protector. So that she is on her own in the middle of the day is indicative of her possibly being rejected by others in her community, and rather than facing them, she finds a way around it. This also falls into part of the allegory that she is rejected like Samaria. Jesus breaks these assumptions about these relationships by speaking to her and asking for a drink. So the dialogue begins. She questions what he is, do what he is doing, and Jesus turns the talk into something she doesn't expect. She hears of this water that is living, and she wants to get some. For in that time, living water referred to a spring, an artesian spring where water flows from pressure. If there was this kind of spring, she wouldn't have to climb down and lower her jug to fill it and carry it back up to the surface. This turned into telling her about the meaning of living water, that it is a spring gushing up for eternal life, to eternal life. The full meaning of this has not hit her yet, and she is pressing to have this to satisfy her immediate need for water. She did not know what Jesus was offering, what she was, what she was really needing. This is also a problem for the Israelites in Exodus. They were traveling in the wilderness and realized they were running low on water and were beginning to be thirsty. So they began to complain and become quarrelsome. Moses feels the brunt of this and goes off and cries out to God. God instructs him to go to Horeb with the elders, and using the staff, he struck the Nile, strike the rock. He did, and water comes, comes out for them to drink. This is also a story of not knowing what they needed. They were early in this wandering through the desert, and they were still in a mindset of slavery a mindset that did not see the freedom they were just given, that did not comprehend that it is God's love for them sustaining them. They in some ways only knew of, an unresponse, of unresponsive masters who, de who demanded work with only minimal provision for their needs. They only knew that complaint and quarreling would get a rise out of the master and they would be given enough to get by. God has Moses act to show the elders that God will provide an abundance for them from a spring that flows freely. 
flows freely for all of them. The dialogue with Jesus moves a new direction after she asks for the water that he has. And Jesus tells her to get her husband. She says she has no husband. And this is where he tells her he knows who she is, that she has had five husbands, and the man she is living with is not her husband. Again, this is reflective of that allegory that it, the Samaritans are thought to be one-sixth Israelite and then intermingled with other nations that had captured or invaded and been forced to live there by their conquerors. The last settlement was a return of others from exile to intermarry with those already living there. What was left of the ten northern tribes that made, is, that made up of Israel had re, been removed in such a way the worship system was lost and being remade, and the people had no clear memory of what their life was before their exiles, invasion and occupation by other nations. The move to where worship should occur by the woman is reflective of this issue. But Jesus foils it only by only admitting that the Jews will be the source of salvation because he is coming from the Jews, but worship will be radically different. There will not be a place because the worship will be from the Spirit and it can happen anywhere. It happens because of who God is and how God responds to those seeking God. Then we have the woman speaking of awareness of the coming of Messiah. Now Jesus does something he does not do anywhere else. He tells her who he is. In all the other places, Jesus silenced the demons crying out who he is. He tells those who have come to know he is the Messiah to say nothing to others. And yet here he does something completely different. Jesus tells her he is the one she is looking for. He is what she needs. Then everything changes as the disciples return and sees that he's violating all the rules about traveling in Samaria. And with their arrival, the woman goes into her town and tells them what has happened. The dialogue with the disciples is getting them to see what is going on is no longer about clean and unclean or where one worships. It's about getting the message to those who do not know what they need. The woman returns with others from her town, and they hear what he is teaching, and they ask him to stay. His mess her message was simple. Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Any of the shame or notoriety she had had become a means for Jesus to show he knew her and cared for her and wanted her to know what she needed. She wanted her fellow townspeople to know the same thing. Those who heard him asked him to stay and teach them of this God who does not need a place to be worshipped, only a heart to receive the love and become that gushing spring of eternal life for others. Temporary Christian thinker has pointed out in his examination of this passage, Jesus is revealing that if we drink from the fountain of the love of the love and compassion of God, we become a fountain of love and compassion. If we receive the Spirit of God, we will give the gift of the we will give the Spirit of God the life we receive is the life we give. 
Now, the Eastern Orthodox Church has had a tradition of finding names for unnamed people in the Bible. The names of the three kings that we're familiar with come from that tradition. The woman at the well has a whole tradition surrounding her as well as being named. What has been emphasized in this tradition is that unlike previous disciples of apostles until now, she brings a whole town to Christ. To personalize her, they found a name for her. Fotini, meaning the enlightened one. She is recognized on a feast day on February 2nd in that church as an evangelist and apostle. The story of her life in this tradition places her at Pentecost when the Spirit fills those there to be the church, and she is able to experience the ability to worship God in spirit and in truth. The tradition also names her sisters, children, and nephews, and how they traveled with the message of the gospel all over the world, eventually going from North Africa to Rome, where she was arrested, tortured for her faith, converting many through her witness in spite of persecution and abuse. A part of the story has her converting a daughter of the emperor who had ordered her to be held. All of this is because of an encounter at a well where she was thirsty, but did not know what she needed, until she talked to that man who offered more than she could have imagined. That is our challenge as we go through this Lenten season. Do we know what we need? The only way to find it is by encountering Jesus in our own way to receive the fountain of living water that only he can give. Amen.